Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. This Jeremy File, who has something going on right now that's causing a lot of background noise. Uh, not a lot of noise out of Ann Arbor this week. Michigan basketball, two weeks off. Uh, ultimately, uh, they don't play until Christmas. Michigan football. Called their season quits a little bit early. The spirit practices and all. Um, Michigan State will be attending a bowl game. Everybody was kind of eligible for that. So a lot of nothing to get to, but at the same time, a lot of something to get to. And while we're on the topic of football, uh, let's start with the transfer portal because them Spartan Dogs are filling it up quick. Yeah, I mean, a lot of movement, uh, <clears throat> different direction program hasn't seen uh, a lot of stuff like this that's for sure definitely not at this level um you know i i just want to say to fans you got to wait and see i mean you you know you can't have it both ways i've been saying this to both fan bases for years look michigan wants to complain about you know they're getting tired of grad transfers or transfer quarterbacks well shea patterson did win 10 games jake ruduck did um and uh you know, yeah, Wilton Spate wasn't that great, and Joe Milton turned out to be not very good at all. So I don't know what you really want. Uh, Michigan State would make fun of that. Now they have that. So, you know, I think it comes down to a wait-and-see thing. A lot of guys transferred to other schools. A lot of guys came in that were, you know, I shouldn't say a lot, but in, important people are coming in. But the quarterback position, Russo, is obviously the most important. I thought that was a huge head-turner. Um, I was surprised. Um, I think the kid is actually a very good player, but I do think that be a little uh, logical that he was in a lesser conference. This is very John O'Cornish, but better, you know, a better John O'Corn, uh, but same situation, great stats, lower level of football. Yeah, and I mean, my thing is his touchdown interception ratio isn't that good. He's playing that lesser competition. Um, you know, I haven't watched too much film on it. Um, back, saying no receivers and batting. That's great. You don't have to throw it to the other team still. Um, yeah. Ultimately, I don't. I don't get it either. Uh, I understand you want competition. You know, competition breeds success. Isn't that the saying? Uh, yeah. Like, and so you want that competition. Peyton Thorne, it should be his job to lose. If you want to fill up that room and you want to give Thorne a push, fine. But don't sit there and have another quarterback battle when you've established a guy for three years as opposed to picking him up for one. And it's kind of the same reason I said Michigan State should go with Thorne over Lombardi is because Lombardi is going to give you less time under center. If these guys can't separate themselves, you might as well go with the guy who's going to give you the most time or until you get your guy and I, I think that this is just kind of oh you know Michigan State seemed to have took two steps forward after uh, Payton Thorne played well against Penn State and then it's like now they're starting to take those steps back and bringing in another quarterback like you you have to know who's under center and, you know, Michigan didn't know that for much of this year. Michigan State didn't know that for much of this year because it seemed like every week we kept questioning, God, Rocky really sucked. Is Thorne going to come in? 
then he blows out Michigan. Yeah. Oh, Rocky's the guy, and then he struggles again. Oh, maybe it's Thorne. Then he gets hurt. Oh, maybe it's Thorne. Rocky comes back. He yeah. Well, and beats Northwestern. And then yeah, no, I I think Tyler, I I think the big thing about the quarterback position, and I'm glad we started with this because obviously it's the most important position, but it's not everything. But every team you see that is winning now in college football, they just have a prime time quarterback. And I think what happens is, is usually, I mean, they do have other pieces around. I mean, you could say Alabama. I mean, you could put a lot of quarterbacks back there, and they would do well. But, but Mac Jones just uh, turned out to be a star. I might go sit this you know, Alabama. <laughs> you know, I, I and like my my point is though, like you gotta kind of know who your guy is and who it will be. Yeah. And the worry the worry I have for Michigan State is they are going the direction that Harbaugh went. They are saying, you know what? forget this, we got to win now and we got to turn this thing around and we're going to bring in whatever we got to bring in. And if we got to bring in a starting quarterback who's been at a school for four years, has a quick release and has a, uh, an attitude and a swag about him who could come in here and start, let's do it. Well, then what happens is you, you threw Thorne to the side. You now start over the next year, just like Michigan did. And then you also are scrambling the year after that. Yeah, you're, postpone- uh, you're think- postponing uh I'm trying to think how to word this right now. What what you're doing is you're postponing your stability. Well, there's no there's no question. I mean, right now it's a no brainer to me for what both schools should do at quarterback. I think that if I'm Michigan, it's Cade McNamara and JJ going back and forth. And if Cade in any way falls off, you give the reins to JJ McCarthy and get the hell out of the way. Uh, it's no different with Michigan State, where Peyton Thorne is very similar to Cade McNamara, very good quarterback, season kind of, uh, poised, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, um, you know, can really make some good throws. If he falls off, you have a freshman quarterback um, who's really, really good. So I don't think this is a good idea for Michigan State, as much as I do think the kid's good. I don't think this is good for your long-term future, though. And, and Mel Tucker needs long-term stability because right now if you go again next year and even if you knock it out of the park Tyler and, and you have a good year you say you win eight games nine games because the guy's that good what happens the next year when you win four or five because you just don't you have to start over yeah I think that's the worry I think you build slowly <laughs> you stay with Thorne well, and then you go and, and here's the thing it's not like the guy's a bona fide superstar either you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, he had a little bit of success at Temple, but he he's not that superstar. It's not like you are taking, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts from Alabama to Oklahoma type deal. And that's uh, that I think is uh, kind of what I've kind of what I've been thinking in regards to that. I think that Thorne should be the guy. You know, maybe this guy just serves as an experienced backup because you know you always need those and. uh Look, we are in uncertain times, and so it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt to have those backups, and we'll talk about Tom Izzo in that statement that I just made yeah. in a minute. But you know, you talk about that. Now you got to talk about uh, finding other positions as well. If you are still looking for that quarterback, you know, you lost a, you lost two corners, Chris Jackson, Julian Barnett. You lost. A left tackle and Devontae Dobbs. Um, you know, there's been rumors about Barnett and Dobbs effort, both of them from the same high school.
both of them going to the same college again, uh, going to Memphis, where Brad Salem is. So Salem knows where the talent is. And, you know, that was something that we've been talking about. You've got to play the best players. Um, you know, you lost both of those guys. Then obviously Simmons and Naquan Jones, both going to the uh, NFL draft. Uh, but obviously, you know, and we did not mention this on the show, the biggest transfer, you know, was the starting quarterback for two top 15 wins in Rocky Lombardi. And mm-hmm. I, well, it, it's, it was time for him. I mean, that's what it is. It, it, it was time for him. Uh, you know, he he heard it like Brian Lewerke heard it. Uh, when Lewerke got hurt and Rocky played okay against Purdue, but he carried Michigan State to a win. And then everyone kept saying, oh, it's in Lewerke's head. Lewerke's a mental midget, blah, blah, blah. Even though he was playing through an arm injury. You know, and I think uh, this past year, if anything, it's shown that people need to apologize to Mark D'Antonio for uh, how they critiqued his handling of the quarterback situation because Rocky Lombardi is not a good quarterback. And uh, her Brian, oh, and yeah, her Brian that for sure. is, a be- is better than healthy Rocky Lombardi. No, I mean, I, I would trust most coaches – I would say even 99.9% of the time when there's a guy on the field at first, he looked better or he, he was just a better quarterback most of the time. Um, there is situations where kids fall off like Joe Milton did. Uh, but Joe Milton didn't play terrible. He just wasn't great. And, and I think that – I think you'll see him leave too, Tyler, because I think that he won't be able to handle it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was definitely someone – who struggled mentally with any adversity, but he was not bad. I mean, we look at the Michigan State game. He did not play that bad. He made some good plays with his legs. I'm actually watching that um, game right now. He made good throws. <laughs> yeah, and, and I thought he was pretty good. You know, he he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. Avoided and, pressure. You know, pretty much the Wis- the Wisconsin game was what kind of exposed him. But that was a really good defense. Uh, and Jim Leonard. And it was a pretty veteran. Jim Leonard's the next, yeah, got to be the next guy in line for a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a handful of guys, and he's definitely one of them. But that was an experienced team who just matched up very well against Michigan, and Joe Milton was bad. And, but the, other than that, you know, Rutgers, he started a little slow, obviously, but he wasn't playing terrible. Um, they made the move, and McNamara brought energy, and you got to bring energy. And I think Peyton Thorne did that a little bit this year. He definitely showed some great flashes. Uh, Rocky Lombardi just did not turn out to be the guy that I thought he would. It happens a lot. Um, my concern with Michigan State football right now Coaching. is I think Mel Tucker is really walking a fine line here of being a little bit of a prep. <laughs> and, you know, it's one thing to motivate your team, and it's one thing to get excited and they're relentless and we're going to be the hardest working team in the country. It's another when your players just leave already. It makes me feel like, you know, if we're going to, like I say, I say this a lot, you can't have it both ways. If you think Jim Harbaugh rubs people the wrong way, Mel Tucker is too. You know, it's no different. I think both guys come off a little, uh, you know, not arrogant, but I just think not very nice. (laughs) I mean, and I I know it's a man's game and all, but 
when I say not nice, I mean these people, you know, these guys will flat out say, we don't care if you stay or not. Bye. See you later. Now, that's not right. I, I think that you have to realize where this program was at Michigan State. Stop saying we got to change the culture. No, you need to get back to where the culture was in 2013. Now, if that means changing it, yes. But, you know, this guy is trying to basically throw away all of Mark's guys. That rubs me the wrong way, Tyler. Yeah, it just and does. look, obviously some guys don't fit the scheme. Devontae Dobbs should be a guy that fits any scheme. Julian Barnett should be a guy who fits any scheme. But that's, you know, you, you said change the culture. You said, you know, we, we've, you don't come in here to a team that they finished above 500 the last, what, uh, three years. All right. Yeah. What did Mark had two years, Tyler? Right, that he didn't he finished under five hundred in his twelve. Yeah, years. and he was six and seven in one you of know. those years, and that was because of the bowl game. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. Then he had the twenty sixteen disaster, uh, where he went three and nine. But he has three. That that was the one bad culture year. Yeah. Let's just be honest. That was the only. Yeah, and that bad was a team that was led by Malik McDowell. You can kind of put the two together. Um. This is, right. Yeah, but that's the thing is you want to talk about uh, – and ultimately that did all change the culture. Austin Robertson, out the door. You know, Montez Sweat, who is killing it for the Redskins – or excuse me, the Washington football team right now, he's out the door. You know, uh, Demetric Vance, out the door. Donnie Corley, out the door. That's bad culture. And so he yeah. kicked those guys out. And that bad culture left when Curtis Blackwell left. And that's been a conversation we've had on the show a billion times. It took you a little while to come around to it, but you did. And it's just, that's what the situation is right now. Is It's like it wasn't a terrible culture. It wasn't a full-blown winning culture. And what you're doing is is you want to start from scratch for a team that went seven and six last year with a quarterback with a bum arm. Yeah, you don't have to replace everybody. Yeah. You know, like there's certain guys you yeah, some need of these guys to have you know, with depth. And ultimately you look at it like the guys who are going to be carrying this program, the guys that people are excited about, the Jaden Reeds, Jalen Naylors, Peyton Thorns. You look at those types of guys, Jordan Simmons, people are starting to get a little bit excited about. Um, you know, you look at those types of guys, Darius Snow, Tucker didn't bring those guys in. And no. so you, no, I mean, this is them. what, and the thing that drives me crazy about Michigan State fans is the fact like, oh, Mark D'Antonio left this program in shambles. shambles. Do win seven and six? He had his quarterback in Payton Thorne. He might have handled the situation differently and played the better quarterback the entire season. He went above 500. Two and five, and everyone's applauding Mel Tucker and patting him on the back for sucking this season. And big deal. You beat Don Brown, which is the easiest thing in the world to do because as I've had that conversation with McGarry Kings on our show, dude, it's single coverage all day, every day. All it takes is one or two out and outs. Yeah. Well, let me just add this real quick. This is what drives me crazy about the whole deal is Michigan State football fans. I mean, I don't know where they are mentally right now, but 
my thought process behind let's the, just say let's just say if, okay you know you want to where i'm at mentally there'd be vodka in my gatorade if i wasn't working right now <laughs> right i mean this this i am seeing it too i'm reading it and that's what i was saying yesterday i was trying to mess with you before we came on today and, uh, and i kept the gloves up today because not, of the stuff i'm angry <laughs> yeah i am angry for the the loyal fans like you that understand where this program has been was and then turned into under mark and then now people are going backwards saying you know it's almost like the john l thing like well this guy's gonna be high octane and we're gonna be all right after a few years no this program in year one under mark d'antonio was competitive (laughs) in year one i mean they put they had michigan on the ropes a very good Michigan team that probably, if they weren't boneheads, should have been a top four team. But, you know, they put Michigan on the ropes 24 14 in the fourth quarter, and Michigan was just too deep and they had NFL players. But Mark D'Antonio turned that right around. And then the next year, they rolled Michigan, they rivaled, then they rolled them again the next year, then they rolled them again the next year, then they rolled them again the next year, and they became a Big Ten championship program. And that's the difference where people need to look in the mirror as fans and say, look, we need to expect a certain attitude and a certain performance on the field. I've said this all year, haven't I, Tyler? Michigan fans expect too much and Michigan State fans expect too, you know, less. You should expect more at Michigan State because you've technically won a lot more than Michigan mm-hmm. has in football in the last, gosh, 13 years since Lloyd left. Michigan State has been far and away a better football program. It's not even close. Nine and four. Michigan State has won nine times since Lloyd Carr's left to Michigan's four. So give me a break with expectations. Michigan State should have high expectations. But the problem is you cannot just change everything from a program that turned it around. And I think that's what Mel's doing. And I really worry, Tyler, because I do think that, you know, for Michigan State fans, I hope I'm wrong. But I think I'm going to be right here. I think this guy is going to be a bust. And I think you're going to go backwards again and figure out who the hell are we going to have as a coach. And then you're going to want to bring the real culture guys, the guys that truly understand Michigan State and truly understand what it takes to be loyal to people. We always knock Mark for keeping his coaches around, but what was he? He was loyal. And I don't think Mel Tucker's loyal at all. I think that proves with him leaving Colorado the way he did. And I think it proves that the way he's just cutting players left and right. So I expect that. And uh, I hope I'm wrong, though. For yeah, this and statement. look, you, you know, you went through one of these types of a situation. Um, obviously, it wasn't a coaching change, but you went through a situation where the coaches were like, "Look, man, maybe you should, you know, go, you know, take a look somewhere else." And oh yeah, it's, and, it's hard. You know, it's hard for the players when you know you commit to these schools and you didn't say what you want about Mark Antonio taking uh, his little. He had every right to do what he did, especially if the rumors are true. He, he, he had think? every right. <laughs> Football's a moneymaker. It is. It's not basketball. Basketball's a self-sustaining sport is what I call it. Football's the revenue program. Mm-hmm. Football brings it in for everybody else except for basketball. You know, basketball probably makes a little bit uh, – basketball probably brings in a little bit more revenue too, but – it's self-sustaining compared to what football does. So Mark D'Antonio had every right to do what he freaking wanted to with uh, how he built the program. And don't even give me that crap about how he broke it down either. Be, excuse me, broke it down either because he didn't. They had 
struggles, yeah, and it wasn't what it was in 2015, that doesn't mean he tore the program down. That means he was trying to change what went from a great culture to a bad culture, and he was trying to turn it around again, and that's why you saw his best talent leave. And now you have a guy who's trying to start from scratch from where Mark D'Antonio was starting to flip that switch between 16 and 17. And that that's ultimately where we're at right now. Um, let's get – look, this is a predominantly Michigan State show today it, because nothing's happening at U of M. Um, so we don't really have too much to talk about. We talked about the Penn State game. Yeah. Well, Michigan football, let me just add one thing on Michigan. I know you have great stuff for Michigan State basketball. I can't wait to say some things, but let me say one thing, and I got 10 seconds here. I think Michigan football did a very yeah. good job recruiting. I will say that. I think they knocked it out of the park in some areas, but I don't think that means we won a championship. But I also believe that I do think that some of these kids are a little different in some way, that I know we'll yeah, talk and, about uh, that you know, in the future, though. Um, that's something that we will address uh Mel Tucker didn't exactly ring the bell recruiting wise either, but that's we we don't do recruiting all that much. I know that's something that we've talked about getting into, and we probably will a little bit. But you know, right now we're we're going to give you stuff we're qualified to talk about, and that's you know we're not going to just sit there and fill the air. Oh well, this guy's got this many stars. No one gives a crap. You know, show me on the field. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Sam McGuffey was a 12-star, and it didn't work out well, so I'm, I'm cool on that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh, break that down progressively, you know, as we start hearing things and stuff like that and uh, where players might be able to contribute, you know, once uh, these camps open up and everything else in the spring, then you kind of have a better idea of where people are going to win in regards to playing time, if they play at all, if they redshirt, whatever. Um, so that being said, Michigan State basketball, they uh, redshirted last night's game and just kind of sat the whole thing out. Uh, That was, as Tom Izzo said, probably one of his more inept performances. Now, here's the deal. I think offensively they played okay. They missed shots. And, you know, that's something that as a coach you can live with, you know. As a coach, you've lived with missed shots. As a coach, I've lived with missed shots, you know? You lived with missed shots as long as you're getting good ones. And Michigan State got a lot of good ones last night. They did. But you cannot have your two best players and screw Joey Hauser in that conversation because he's not one of the two best players. You cannot have your two best players just like that. That was embarrassing. Yeah, I, I was uh, – I'll tell you what, Tyler. I mean, you know, I spoke very highly of Michigan State, and I'm not going to get carried away over one win or one loss. Um, but the one thing that was really puzzling to me was, number one, you know how high I think of this team as a shooting team. This was the one game where they didn't shoot well, but we can always bank on what for Michigan State. Okay. Great defensively, incredibly <laughs> rebounding, you know, the ball. They were pretty good rebounding offensively, but – or, excuse me, on the defensive end. But, you know, one and done when they missed a lot of times. They did crash a couple times, get a few chances, missed wide-open shots. No and second chance points. easy buckets for Northwestern. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of that was even shoot well, but they were eight of 30 from three. And, and Tom, you know, flings, flings his air, you know, hands the air. As I messaged you guys last night, and I said, look at Hoiberg is the only one that knew what to do. Drive the gap and kick it inside or kick it out to somebody that way. And Tom flings his hands in the air. And I know what that means as a coach. Why haven't we done that all game? You know, our, our, our fifth string, you know, point guard technically, or third string, whatever the heck he is, is knows how to do it. Four. So you could tell that he was no, upset yeah, the fifth. ball was not. Yeah, you're right, in. fifth string. Yeah, I mean, it's not getting it. It's not getting it inside. They didn't get good looks. They they wanted to settle for threes. They shot 39% total, you know, not from three, just total. Uh, Northwestern shot the lights out, but a lot of them were good looks. I mean, they were really good looks. They were about as good as Michigan State's were. That's something to worry about, Tyler, is what will this team look like if they're yeah. not in rhythm offensively? And you can always bank on Tom's teams playing great defense, and this was not Aaron, good Aaron performance was awful. at all. Rocket Watts was awful. And, I mean, look, uh, for those of you trying to do the math, yeah, Hoiberg's fifth. Uh, Watts is one. Lawyer's two. Henry is three because <laughs> he brings the ball up the floor sometimes. Hogarth's four. Hoiberg's five. There it is. That, that was Michigan State's fifth string point guard. And so, yeah. if you count Aaron Henry. And so, that's a situation where it's like everybody knows that's where you need to be. And then, I, th- I think the one thing that you saw that maybe we probably should have seen a little bit earlier, this is something that Coach K has done, Izzo's done it a couple of times, uh, put those guys like Hoiberg in earlier. Because he, the game was still within reach. It, it, it would have been a, you know, just another miraculous comeback Michigan State had against Northwestern. But the game was still in reach when Hoiberg came in the game. And I think that was Tom Izzo making a statement. And I feel like the statement should have been made a little bit earlier. But. Oh, it was definitely a statement. Yeah, that would have been like when I went in as a preferred walk-on at Western. We had a great team, and they put me in early a few times. It was like, you guys are sucking it up. File, get in there, our insurance policy. I'm, I'm, you know, tra- I'm pretty, pretty sure pretty there's, well, been bit, but, there's been you know, a video like, of, he can do it. Hawkins talking about you actually saying, me, are you sure? Or something to that effect. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> – yeah, I don't think I knew uh, – I didn't expect uh, to go in that early. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Hoiberg, at that stage of my career, I was a lot like him. I wasn't ready for big-time basketball, but he did exactly what I would do. You know, you drive the gap, you do the right thing, you do something so simple, and Izzo was super excited. But I'll tell you this, these guys have struggled defensively at times this year. You know, they haven't been very good at keeping guys in front of them. And, you know, when you don't shoot well, it kind of gets more exposed, right? Northwestern scored 79 last night. Well, there's a lot of teams that have scored that much or more, but yeah. Michigan State's out shooting them. So I think that that's something we needed to see. But I will say this, and I know you'll love it because you're a huge fan of him, and I certainly am, and I think he's going to be great in the NBA. And I'm going to say I told you so a lot, I think, I think, and I hope. This is the first game where we realize, yeah. boy, Cassius Winston's missed. You know, he is really missed. He keeps those guys together. He's a leader. He gets the ball. Those lob passes from any zone defense were so easy for him to just – Pick them apart. That is gone now, and, and that was really hard. It's just swinging it. They're going over. You know, was, you know what are they? Patty cake, patty cake. Baker's man across the perimeter. You know, Mike Maloney. I'll give him a shout. That's the only thing he's ever said it was funny. Well, and uh, you know that's what it looked like last night. Swing, swing, swing. Open threes. And here's mine. Is, Cash is I think Tillman like that. It's a big one because nobody knew what to do when they got the ball in the middle. 
And that's where Tillman excelled against zone defenses. You know, he, he was very underrated in that regard. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, Cash can do whatever he freaking wanted to. But, you know, you lose a senior, you lose a senior. Losing the junior like that's big time. And I, I think that that's something where uh, Michigan State needs to maybe recon- uh, I, I don't want to say like reconsider anything, but well, Izzo said he plans on cutting this uh, group down to nine. And I think it's getting ready to do that. You need to have some chemistry. Guys aren't separating themselves. You know, put that group down to nine. See if you thrive without certain guys. Just see what happens. And, you know, it, it's time to start doing that. You know, Hauser was making bad passes. Like when Izzo said he was a great passer, he's obviously got the potential to be great. And there are moments where you're just like, oh my God, how does the guy that size do what he did? But, you know, his standard, just fundamental passing is not there right now. He gets deflected all the time. I mean, I swear to God, I've seen him get passes deflected yeah, at least Mortimer 10 times this year. And uh, it's just simple swing. Yeah, I mean, just deflection points all day long. And, you know, I, look, I you never want to get too carried away, especially with Michigan State, because they always seem to just peak at the right time or they just figure it out. And Tom adjusts and Tom's such a good coach. And it's such a great culture and program that they'll fix it. But. Uh, this is the stuff that happens, though, when you lose Cassius Winston and you lose Tillman and your team's not playing very well. Those were the few guys that kind of took over, you know, and, and that's where Mark Watts won't call him Rocket for a while to play like that. He's got to be the one to say, hey, look, we got to play better. Hey, come together. And there was no leadership last night from him. And that was really bothersome because this is a kid, obviously, you know, I've been super high on for a while. But I think that he still will be huge. I just think that... He's not Cassius Winston. We all know that. And and right. Marble and those guys are not Tillman. I mean, it's just Combine not them there. together so and you might get I think that's what Tom's fighting right now, Tyler, is. Yeah. I think that's what Tom is having a hard time with right now because he knows, man, these guys are just not separating. He said it to yeah, Beeline in that wonderful Zoom call that they had. They just well, can't they can't separate from each other. Kithier looks better than Marble at times. Marble looks like the best big, then kind of, you know, is just non-existent. And then Bingham's just yeah. got on a different planet sometimes. And he's just slapping me in the face left and right with my <laughs> terrible predictions of him. Um, he's just not good. I, I don't know what's going on with Bingham, if he's just a step slow or if he just doesn't have enough energy to make Tom happy. Um, he has all yeah. the physical tools, but he just doesn't provide enough. And uh, he has really went downhill, Tyler, and I, I worry yeah, yeah. that well, he, he, he might not ever come back one up. Positive that I saw last night. You know, besides, you know, Malik Hall and Gabe Brown. Brown played all right. You know, it wasn't terrible, but he uh, had his uh, lapses on defense as well. But he at least provided a little bit of a punch. Langford obviously provided a little bit of a punch, but then he felt, okay, so three guys played okay last night. In uh, Hall, Langford, and Brown. Here, here's the one that got. Here's the thing that I, I'm kind of taking away from last night. Did you see the bench at the end of the game? Rocket. No. You know, no, you look I, at. I didn't pay attention uh, to. I think Hall was out on the floor, but you look at Marble's face. Just looked. He. It looked like a pregame. Like he was getting ready. 
for something. And uh, you looked at Rocket Watts, it looked like he just got knocked out of the NCAA tournament. You know, and that's that's one loss. That that's all it was. It was one loss to a team that is in a conference that has seven spots occupied in the top twenty-five as of today. Uh, Michigan State dropped down to twelve, I think, right behind Rutgers. Uh, and they have Wisconsin coming up, who I think is number ten. Iowa dropped from uh, what was it, three to four, and so. You have these guys, like, it's a loaded conference. And Michigan State went on the road, and they lost. And it looked it looked like they, it looked like they lost a lot, the NCAA tournament, though. I, 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 I think Wisconsin's in trouble on Christmas One thing because I, Michigan State looks ready to deliver a couple stockings full of coal. I disagree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually disagree, believe it or not. And the reason why is I think this is going to hurt Michigan too. Obviously, Michigan State's a much better team. I think that what killed Michigan State this year was not being able to have the typical tough schedule that they've been able to have. Um, you know, they got Duke, but Duke was a little down this year. They haven't played anybody yet. So they they went up against a, a Big Ten team who on any given night, almost all these teams, you got to play well. Because if you don't, you're going to lose. They played a Northwestern team that is the leading scoring team in the Big Ten. Nobody knew it. They are. Uh, it's no different than when Michigan matched up with Penn State. Everyone's like, well, you know, what the heck's wrong with Michigan? They barely beat Penn State. Well, Penn State beat Virginia Tech by 20. They still got a lot of returners. They lost their best player, but so did Michigan. This is the type of games you're going to get some nights. And guess what? Yeah. Also some games where you're going to get beat down. I mean, that's just how good this conference is. Last thing I want to say. Wisconsin has had some really tough games already. I think Wisconsin's going to come in and beat down Sparty at, at their place because I just think they have already played Marquette in a tough game and lost. And, you know, oh, they just yeah. beat the living snot out of Louisville. And th- those um, are and th- that Louisville game, those are the types of games teams. When, I, when you talk about Louisville trying to speed it up. Those are the types of games that Wisconsin always loses. Yeah, and they killed them. I mean, this, this Wisconsin team, yeah, I think we, I was probably a little, uh, yeah. you know, lackadaisical. Yeah, I think we took them lightly. They, their experience is ridiculous. I mean, they're the most experienced team in the Big Ten, probably besides Iowa, but they might even be more experienced than Iowa in some areas. Um, they just bring everybody back all the time. They're, they're very well coached. They're going to be exactly who they are, and, and I worry that, if Michigan State doesn't shoot the ball well, Wisconsin can score now. I mean, they've got guard play. They're good inside. Uh, Davison, the flopper, can shoot a little better now. I mean, that's going to be a really tough game, but a very fun game. And I think this will say a lot, Heather, about the resolve of Michigan State this year. If they can come out on Christmas Day, though, and really beat a good basketball team, I think that would, that would be huge. I think they need yeah, that. Well, they need that, a good I mean, opponent and like, win I'm, that I'm, against I'm, them. I'm, 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 I'm also factoring the like the fact that obviously Wisconsin's the next game. It's a home game, and then Michigan State goes on the road two more times. You know, three three of their first four Big Ten games are on the road, and so this is one that Michigan State ranked or not ranked, they have to get. And I I think that uh, 
I think that mixed in with uh, you know a little yeah. bit of what we saw last night um, in regards to the reaction of the players on the bench. I I, I think that that's going to you know tip the scales in favor of uh, Michigan State. But look, you know Michigan State not the only one with the Christmas Day showdown. Yeah, you know, Michigan will have Nebraska. And I'll tell you what, I'm worried. I mean, I've watched Nebraska twice now. Uh, obviously, Creighton's Creighton, like you know, right Creighton's above or right behind Creighton's Michigan really good. Um, You know, they are very – yeah, I think there were seven when, or nine when they beat Nebraska by 20. Um, Nebraska's really athletic. I mean, look, this is the crazy thing about this conference. This conference, I'm thinking Northwestern would be a team that, you know, was a little bit – that's one of your lesser teams, right? They look like a really good basketball team last night. Uh, Nebraska is really athletic. Maryland, they lose certain guys. They're super athletic. Indiana, super athletic. These are teams that I'm mentioning, Tyler, that are maybe the bottom. I mean, you are going against Indiana, yeah. and they are, like, considered not one of the better teams. Are you kidding me? You go on the road to the barn in Minnesota. I mean, they got Carr at point guard. They're long. They're huge. Good luck. I mean, that's a battle. And then you're going to go play against Nebraska, who's coached by a really good coach, who's been a great college coach. Yeah. They're athletic. I mean, you have to bring it. Every night. I think Nebraska is still probably the worst team. I have no doubt in my mind that there's a strong possibility that they'll be. Yeah, Michigan. I think uh, Michigan I mean, I think there's a strong possibility. Because, you know, there's just so many new pieces and everything else. So, I, you know, that, that could be something that we kind of see throughout this season that kind of holds them back from the potential that you and I think that they're capable of reaching. But at the same time, like, you know, that – they're, they're still a really good basketball team. It's just, you know, Big Ten's a different animal. You know, obviously we'll discuss it. We'll discuss that as the season it goes loaded, on. We man. are going to be off until after Christmas unless something monumental happens. Um, you know, uh, but we'll be back. We'll recap Michigan State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nebraska. Obviously any other, you know, football news that – somehow creeps through the headlines uh christmas day slate for the big 10 very interesting um but you know with covid and everything else parents can't really visit the players uh you know not a lot of people are doing stuff my uh brother uh is you know he just got diagnosed with covid and so you know my plans are out the window so you know it opens up for michigan state basketball and that's something that i'm okay with um as long as my brother's okay first of course But uh, that does it for us on Trouble with the Snap Podcast. For Jeremy File, I'm Tyler Hayward.